We hope you enjoy listening to this podcast of St. Louis on the Air, brought to you by University College at Washington University. With undergraduate and graduate programs, part-time, evening, and online. University College at Washington University, offering world-class education within reach. Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. Community organizers have played an important role in our society for decades. How has the role changed over the years, and is that role as influential now as it once was? We're taking a look at that today in advance of a weekend conference observing 40 years of community organizing and engagement here. It's sponsored by the St. Louis Association of Community Organizations, SLACO. Joining me in studio are Kevin McKinney, SLACO's executive director, and Richard Riley. He's a photojournalist well acquainted with St. Louis protest actions and other things. Gentlemen, thanks for coming in. Nice to see you. Thank you. It's great seeing you, Don. Thanks for having us. Kevin, let me start with you and ask for your definition of what organizing is today, organizing and engagement. Yeah, I think organizing is the key to getting things done. Uh, One-on-one, we can have some nice conversations, but if we get a group of people involved in the conversation, I think more things will get done. So I think organizing, bringing a group of people together to work on one issue or several issues as a group as opposed to an individual, and engaging is then engaging a community or engaging a group or engaging uh, a group of people to get their ideas, to hear what they feel about a particular issue, and then organizing ourselves to get that accomplished. Are are people as committed to that today as they were five years ago, 10 years ago, 40 years ago? Oh, I think uh, even more. I think even more. I think that there, I think in 40 years ago, there was a need to organize and engage over particular issues. And we're seeing that same thing today, uh, even more with the social media that's out there. Uh, Organizing and engaging is is the key to, to progress. How do you see it? Well, I think uh, there are are great complexities in the contemporary world that are different with the addition of social media, et cetera. And I think by and large, those things add uh, very important uh, ways for folks to voice their experiences. And when we do that through um, enhanced and increased organization, it's for the betterment of the entire community in the long run. Rich, how have you seen it change over the years? I think that uh, uh, from the time when I was a little kid here in St. Louis during the Vietnam War through the present, there's been a, a steady amount of, of activism and uh, getting together to support important causes. And I think uh, um, there's been something of a crescendo of organization and activism around civil rights issues since 2014 when Mike Brown was killed that uh, um, have been um, important sparks and conversations and changes that need to happen in our region. Kevin, what's the big issue today? Oh, the big issue today, and it it depends, um, you know, what community or neighborhood you're living in, but generally, People want to be a part of solving the problem. Uh, Whatever the problem happens to be, they don't want one person telling them 
what's going to happen. They don't want two people telling them what what's going to happen. They want to be a part of solving the particular problem that's in that community. Uh, obviously, in St. Louis, you know, we're, we're still a divided city, and 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 we're trying to bridge the Del Mar divide by a bunch of different programs and projects and communications. But uh, the big issue today is, you know, people want to feel good about their neighborhoods. People want to feel that their neighborhoods are, are being respected and that they are being respected. Uh, so it's trying to allow a lot of different people's voices to be heard. And, and that's what we're not getting. And that's what people are kind of uh, scared of, that their voice is not being heard. What about tactics? Uh, how have they changed? I mean, we can talk, we can talk about militant examples. We can talk about some that are much more benign, peaceful, if you will. Well, What's I, most effective? I, I have been an elected official in a, in a small town, and I've seen it from, from inside as well as outside, and it takes change. Uh, it takes people like Richard who are out on, in the street out uh, demonstrating, out protesting, but it also takes uh, people that are in the system to make the system change. And I think that's one thing that we're seeing now. We're seeing people who have been in the streets, people who have been demonstrating and protesting, now trying to become a part of the system to make those changes. If you don't vote, if you don't make the change, the system's going to stay the same. So the idea is if you've got some good ideas that you're trying to uh, work on, the only way you're going to make those changes is to get some new people in some of those leadership positions. And that's where I see some of the uh, uh, big changes coming about, that we've got a lot of young people that are getting involved in politics. Uh, they want to be the change agents that we need, and, and that's very important. Uh, for, from my standpoint, you know, I, I think that people like Richard as a photojournalist, he's going to be a, a very important voice to hear from at our conference that's coming up. Uh, we're going to have an actual lunch and learn uh, that's going to be called Fake News or Not, the role of the media in organizing and engagement. So we're going to hear from media people on what they feel uh, and how they feel the media should or maybe should not be a part in organizing. I was sitting in the green room talking with Richard, and I can remember as a kid uh, when when the dogs and the uh, water cannons were released on the kids down in Mississippi. That was a turning point in the civil rights movement. You know, people had been seeing pictures, photos of, of lynchings, and people say, well, you know, that's just the way it is in those days. But when they saw those kids on the news uh, being bitten by dogs and, and the water cannons, people said, we, got it. We, we can't stand this. We've got to make this change. So the media in that particular instance played a big part in making changes. I've heard it said so many times, where would the civil rights movement have gone or where would we be now if it weren't for the cameras, the television cameras in the 60s, Bull Connor and his dogs and the Pettus Bridge. That's uh, right. You know, no cameras, uh, no movement. No movement. Yeah. No movement. And so, and so I think here with the uh, photojournalists, with uh, social media activists, uh, even with the networks, uh, radio stations, you know, we need to determine, we need to know 
Uh, are you going to report what goes on accurately? Are you going to help tell the story? Uh, are you just going to get along and, and continue to not make a difference? I think the media has a responsibility, obviously, to tell the truth, but they've got a responsibility to report what goes on. And in a lot of instances in neighborhoods and communities, uh, they're not reporting everything that should be reported. They only report bits and pieces, and I think we're missing a lot. And I know neighborhoods are saying, hey, listen, if you'll get out here and talk about some of these vacancy issues that we're dealing with, people will see that. They'll hear about it. They'll know what's going on. So I think the media, my own personal opinion, is that the media does have a role in organizing and engagement. But I want the professionals to talk to our people at the conference to find out how they feel. The conference is on Saturday, and uh, Richard, you're going to be on the panel, as I understand it, talking. Pick up on the point, as you see the role of journalism uh, in general, and photography in particular. Uh, sure, sure. I think one of the important issues to think of when thinking about photography, and I work uh, primarily independently. Uh, my stuff's been published by several outlets, but primarily I'm interested in photographing the frontline protesters, the people in the protest community, and showing them at work in ways in which I don't feel like most of mainstream media does. And with still photography in particular, as, as, as well as video, it can be very difficult to properly understand the, the meaning, quote unquote, of the images if they are anchored with text that doesn't come from the sources that are within the images themselves. And so I think a big part of, say, my photographic work is to deliver it to the frontline protesters because it's what it means to them that those of us in the community really need to know and really have a hard time coming to, to, to find out um, what it is that is inspiring them to take to the streets. Kevin, you, you uh, mentioned social media uh, a little while ago, and I can see certainly how that can be helpful to any cause in terms of communication, but it can also work against you. I mean, do you find that that, uh, that is happening now, that there, the, the opposition, if you will, can, can ha well, have its voice heard? Well, I, I think that uh, what happens in a lot of instances uh, especially when you talk about, for example, the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, there's actually been videos of people being killed, uh, police officers doing shootings or what have you, people being killed, and the video uh, doesn't matter. I mean, it's as if it's as, it is as if the video that they've seen doesn't matter. It doesn't prove a point. Uh, the guy gets shot, and it's on video, and they say he was running away from the police officer. The video shows it, and then they say the video, the policeman says, the, but the guy was threatening me. So people are saying, like, so what does the video, does the video really, it doesn't have any meaning. Uh, so it, it, can, it can work against you, but I think that's, that, that goes into the system. We have to, we have to change the system. We have, to, we have to change the rules and the regulations 
and the way things are interpreted. If you come in with some video that shows somebody actually getting killed, that ought to have some value as opposed to just being purged out and say, well, it doesn't really matter. You know, uh, so the video, you know, the, the social media can work against you. But I think it's I think without the social media, uh, a lot of these common causes wouldn't wouldn't be heard. Uh, you got to have it. Richard, do you agree with the, with Kevin that the video doesn't matter in the cases that he's? I, I would take exception to that. I think it, it's like the the, the Pettus Bridge uh, situation. People are seeing it. There are some people who are not going to accept it. But look, it's it's really created quite a movement in this country. Well, I, I think that uh, I think that what the issue is is that there is a good sized group to whom the video does not matter because their uh, allegiances to a set of ideas goes beyond what's in front of their face in the video. Now, fortunately, in the case of the Pettus Bridge or, or um, other things that have happened more recently, um, video has, has helped some folks in power see and act on, on the basis of, of what's in the film or what's in the pictures. Yeah. But but you, but you know Don you look at okay uh, for an example the, the video where uh the gentleman got killed in New York for selling cigarettes he got choked the by the, case, the guard right? yeah. he got choked by the police the video was there they took the video they showed the police doing what they did it was there but they didn't they they, they couldn't convict the police officers mm-hmm. They, so did the video really help? The video opened up our eyes to see what's going on and makes us as people more aware, but it didn't convict the police officer. It didn't do anything to, to convict the police it, officer. It, it outraged a lot of people. It outraged a lot, a lot, a lot of people. people. Uh, came to the, the cause, if you will, as right. a result of Right. It. So, yeah. I mean, it, it had it had some <clears throat> positives, but the police officer in that particular instance is still walking around. You know, as if, so so he says to himself, you know, I can shoot a guy. You know, I can, I can do what I want to. They can video it. It still don't matter. What our conversation has kind of evolved to a discussion about uh, militancy on the streets, uh, and there's an awful lot of organizing that goes on that deals with uh, problems that don't require a militant approach. Neighborhood issues, oh, for yeah. instance. I mean, that's that's where the real uh, backbone, spine of the organization, organized movement uh, lies. Without a doubt. I mean, uh, the issues that we're dealing with in St. Louis, for example, right now is the vacancy. Vacancy issues yeah. is one of the biggest issues that we're dealing with, and and so if 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 I just individually talk to people about a particular house that's been vacant for five or six or seven years. It's an eyesore. You know, maybe I get some conversation. But if 20 of us sit down and strategize on how we can make something happen, there's going to be some movement from the electeds when they hear from 20 people as opposed to one. And how the video would work in that particular instance is – Richard takes still photos of people standing in front of the vacant house. Videographers are taking videos of us having meetings and what we're talking about. And then we actually share that with the decision makers. This is the problem. These are 20 people that are trying to work on it. Here you can see them working on it. And they share that with the electeds. That's the kind of thing that's going to get their movement. How does SLACO work? In other words, if there is a, a neighborhood or portion of the community that has a problem, 
What? How does Slaco get involved? We we serve as a facilitator. Uh, we're kind of the the Switzerland in in St. Louis, if you will. You know, we don't uh, we don't endorse candidates. Uh, we're very issue oriented, and we endorse issues and we support issues, but we 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 don't support uh, candidates. But what we try to do is uh, bring people together to discuss the problems that they're having, and then we advocate for them, and we'll work with them to get their elected official to decide on making some kind of progress or change. Uh, but we're more of a facilitator. We've got, uh, out of the 79 neighborhoods that are formerly recognized by the city of St. Louis, we have 31 of them that are in our association. So we come together, we meet periodically, we have a board of directors of 15 members, and uh, we pick up different ideas from our members on what issues they want us to deal with, and we work with them to try to accomplish a change for those issues. Richard, what is the most effective uh, result of, of organizing that you've seen over the years? Well, I think there's been quite a number of things. Um, I think for me it might be um, some of the things that have come about in, in St. Louis from uh, 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 stuff related to, to housing. I think that um, some of the work, and it, I guess it's hard to say, it's hard to put it into, into the kind of words I really want to, but when I, when I think of, of the hundreds of homes that Habitat for Humanity has built and what sort of an organizing extravaganza that has been and how fortunate I was to be involved in that for a long time, um, you know, I see, I see real, real progress with grassroots organizing and a lot of volunteer effort. What do you think Slaco's biggest success has been over the years, Kevin? Well, I tell you, Slaco's been been at this uh, for over 40 years now. I've been with the organization for about three years. Uh, I tell you, one of the biz biggest successes was the very first uh, group that organized when they had a slock landlord that wasn't keeping his property up and uh, Father Jerry Kleba organized a group of people that cleaned up the mess, took it to his house, and dumped it on his yard and told him this is the kind of thing we're dealing with over here in the visitation neighborhood. And the landlord came in, started cleaning it up. That was the very first uh, demonstration of, of organizing and engagement that the group did. And we've sprung from that. I think we were able to shut down some of the 40-ounce bottles that uh, beer manufacturers were doing around St. Louis. They don't do 40 ounces anymore because of a Slaco movement. And the Prop NS issue has been very successful. Slaco supported the petitioners, and we uh, supported the, the vacant housing initiative. That was very important. And then Neighborhood United for Change. I mean, after the death and the killing of Mike Brown, uh, people came together to start talking about how we can better uh, serve our, our communities by talking with each other. So the Neighborhoods United for Change has been a very successful program. No shortage of things in, uh, ahead. No, we got, plenty, we got plenty of work. But, but you can find out more about Slaco at the conference coming up. I'm just going to read that information now. The Regional Neighborhoods Conference celebrating 40 years of community organizing and engagement held all day this Saturday at St. Louis Community College at Forest Park. Anybody welcome? Yes, anybody. 
everybody's welcome. Uh, you've got you can register online at slaco 23 eventbrite.com that's $35 at the door is $45 and we have a $25 uh, youth uh, with ID uh, program as well we'll put that information on our website at stlpublicradio.org thank you thank Thank you you so much Kevin McKinney for being with us and Richard Riley thank you keep up the good work gentlemen thank you good to see you this is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU